Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, June 12, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, our first day of the week together. You've I been know. out. We missed each other. So uh, it's nice to hear you. your voice on the other end of my Skype connection. Yeah. Um, it's It's been a, a crazy week for uh, both of us in terms of, of stuff going on. It's been an even crazier week. Uh, in the world at large, so I am uh, always, genuinely always. pleased that we get to do this at least once this yeah, week uh, together to uh, to head into the Cosine. air quotes weekend. <laughs> what's a weekend? Because um, what's a weekend? Yeah. Uh, at what's this a weekend? Point. But, also, also give Mr. Marino a break since he's been doing some heavy lifting for me as I was, uh, as you guys yeah. said, crime fighting in Buffalo. <laughs> Which was not the case. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, and it got James in some trouble and got him to be the uh, the subject of a not very nice uh, op-ed article. But we, oh, we will talk about that. Interesting. Um, but um, one thing I'll tell you is, is I have an interview which I talked about earlier this week. I hinted at earlier this week. Um, I have an interview scheduled for Friday at 11 a.m. with a rather beastly Broadway performer. Um, and uh, I, I'm hoping that that will be a Tell Me More episode that we can air here in the podcast feed, either on Friday night in the Patreon or Saturday in the regular feed. It just depends on how quickly I can turn it around since it is a Friday interview. So if you want to hear that interview um, with a very fearless Broadway star, you can head over to patreon.com slash Broadway radio where you will be able to hear that first before anybody else. All right, Ashley, we're, we, there wasn't a ton of news in the theatrical world on Friday, but we did have a lot of things that I want to talk about. There is some news, which we will get to, but I want to continue this conversation that we've been having about the ongoing efforts from Broadway and the theater community to confront and acknowledge and deal with the inherent racism that is a part of the industry and the community. The one thing I will remind everybody is that the Broadway Advocacy Coalition's Broadway for Black Lives Matter Again Forum is has one day left. Actually, you right, and I both right. participated in the, mm-hmm. um, uh, day the two, listening. Yeah, the day two listening part of the three-day forum. Because the first, first day was specifically for black theater makers and other creatives. Yeah, so we're going to probably talk a little bit about that Um more on Monday after we've been a part of both part two and part three. Mm-hmm. Technically, they say they want you to participate in both parts if you're going to participate in one sure. or the other. Sure. But um, you can still register for part three if you were not able to um, to be a part of part two. So we'll have a link for that in the show notes. And then I want to kind of just uh, point out some things. Um, and I don't necessarily want to get into the depth of them because – as we've talked about, uh, Ashley, we are two incredibly pasty people, and um, so true, so true. We um, want to lend our support to them, but we also um, are very focused on trying to provide opportunities for people to use their own voices to discuss these issues. But I wanted to mention the an article that came up. Uh, on Playbill, talking about an, a new organization called Broadway for Racial Justice. It was set up by Brandon Michael Nass, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. He's a uh, been involved with Cats and, and a bunch of other shows. And he's put together this call hoping to encourage um, you know, some sort of change in the theatrical world due to, due to collaboration between folks who might not always be looking to work with people outside of their circles. So if you want to learn more about this organization, we will have a link 
in the show notes for that. Ashley, you also talked, I believe, on the episode that I was not on about the We See You White American Theater movement. Mm -hmm. Um, This has become a much bigger thing. We actually heard um, they talked about it on the New York Times offstage opening night event, which we're going to talk about here a little later. It's Mm -hmm. becoming a pretty big thing uh, in the theater community. So if you have not read it, if you have not um, signed the protest or Mm -hmm. signed the petition, um, I encourage you to at least read it and see what it's about. And then you can make mm-hmm. the decision as to whether or not you want to sign it or not. But we'll have more information about that in the show notes. And as of recording, uh, that petition that you mentioned, the change.org demand change for BIPOC theater makers is 72,145 of the 75,000. For That was its original goal. Right. That is its original goal. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. Um, the last thing that I wanted to mention is is a little less official. It's a, not um, a petition. It's not an organization. Uh, but it's actually a Medium post. Medium's a website. It's kind of like a blog where you can post articles. Um, it's by the actor and writer Heath Saunders. Ashley, have you seen this, this article that he wrote? I've seen it, but I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet. It's in my queue of articles uh, that I was catching up on after my trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were fighting crime and saving the great yes, city of Buffalo. Yes, exactly. In the 716, yeah. In 716. Um, if you aren't familiar with Heath Saunders, he was in um, Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. He was in um, Alice by Heart off-Broadway. He was in Jesus mm-hmm. Christ Superstar Live. Mm-hmm. And he wrote an article that was uh, truthfully brilliant. Um, and, and it kind of went through the different ways that black bodies had been used in the American musical theater and didn't necessarily pass judgment on the shows themselves. Because as he says, even the shows that he hates, like Hairspray, is expertly written. Oof. It was done with the best of intent. Um, he, he goes out of his way to say, I have nothing against these shows, against the writers. They genuinely are all trying to do good things with their messages and they are all Mm. very well written but he talks about the problematic nature of a lot of them and how they 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 bring anti-blackness into their stories oftentimes unbeknownst to them whether that's in Mm. the lion king and the Wiz, or hamilton legally blonde dear evan hansen rent uh, obviously even hairspray dream girls once on this island it's a really interesting and really nuanced, and as Deep mm. Tran said on Twitter, a very dramaturgically sound uh, article. Um, and it gives you a much different perspective about how these shows that we often consider to be far more progressive than some of the other ones uh, that just kind of ignore sure. black people altogether are still problematic, especially because for the vast oh, sure. majority of them, they are completely created by white people Uh, that's what i was just about to say i mean that's uh, that's a lot of the conversations that have come up recently it's that you can be racist or upholding a system of white supremacy even uh, obviously even unintentionally through microaggressions and other mannerisms so there doesn't necessarily have to be malice in your intent it's just how we as white people have grown up as white people in America. It's all, you know, subconscious level. Yeah, and I think there's also something to be said, which Heath doesn't get into a ton about here. But I think there's also um, something to be said about some of the fact that these shows are now decades old and things have progressed. Sure. And I think that if they were written by those same people today... 
um, they might have a little bit of a different context. But nonetheless, it's a fantastic article. I highly recommend you reading it. It's one of the things that, from the nerdy theatrical side of me, opened up a lot of things to me that I understood on the social, you know, political side, but putting them smack dab in the middle of the thing that I know and love the most um, really put a lot of things into context. So I, I hope that you will read that article. We will, of course, have a link in the show notes. Are you saying there's a side of you that's not the nerdy theater side? Yes, there's the nerdy sports side. Uh, the very fair. They do overlap. <laughs> they do. Uh, tons of nerdy sides. Yeah. I'm just saying that there's more to me than just theater. They I contain, contain multitudes. Shut up. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, Nick Walker did drop that quote in my last Tell uh, Me see, More, by the way. Go. It's a well Ralph done. Waldo Emerson quote there. So, uh, uh, it's so a there you go. Walt Whitman quote. But yes, Walt Whitman. Yes. I, yeah, okay. I got all my <laughs> transcendentalists mixed up. They all... Sure, I wrote a, I wrote sure. a I wrote a, an article for Land Grant Holy Land about an Ohio State basketball player and opened it with Henry David Thoreau. So oh, uh, nice. I'm all Very over nice. the transcendentalists uh, from uh, from Boston, Mass. Uh, sure. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so let's get into uh, the actual theatrical news here. Ashley, uh, this is a follow up on a story that we had talked about earlier in the week. And it has to do with the petition that now has over 16,000 signatures in which some incredibly well-intentioned folks were trying to encourage the theatrical powers that be to turn the Apollo Theater in Harlem into a Broadway house. However, that petition has now been closed because the Apollo Theater really isn't interested in being a Broadway house. <laughs> I was wondering um, that one. <laughs> yeah, um, and and they said they, they did not exactly have a comment on the petition itself, but they did want to make very clear that the petition did not emanate with them. And they said there's a lot going on in the world right now, and we are all adjusting, meaning we've got more important things right. to deal with. Yes. Um, when James and I talked about this the, the other day, we, there's a lot of financial and 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 other types of things that could be a problem with sure, them yeah. turning into a Broadway house. But I think the most important, and James really talked about this the most, was how important the Apollo Theater is to the fabric of Harlem and that if Absolutely. they interrupted their normal programming schedule to do a sit down of, of some show, even if it was, you know, probably a, a black led show and a black created show, it would still interrupt a lot of the organizations and a lot of the productions that would happen there normally. Mm -hmm. So I think as much as I am wholeheartedly behind this idea, um, if they decided they wanted to do it, it probably doesn't, it's probably not something that makes sense for them. In the way that their their message right, and their right. their mission is currently it's constituted. Exactly. Yes. All right. Let's talk about some other things that are also disappointing in one way or another. We had been excited about the fact that the MCC Theaters Miscast Gala would be coming to YouTube on June 20th. However, they've decided to postpone that due to what is going on in the world right now. Um, they said all of our great artists and collaborators who are part of this event will be with us when we stream miscast at a later date. However, now is a time for us to reflect, reevaluate and actively participate in this moment in our nation's history. Of course, miscast is a gala and they are trying to raise money for the MCC theater by doing this. I'm a little cynical, Ashley, and just saying that like, mm. are they just canceling it because it's hard to put these things together? Um, June 20th is still nine days away. So I, That's I don't think anyone would look side eye at them, you know, doing it on June 20th. But uh, nonetheless, one I of my favorite know. events every yeah. year and yeah, uh, disappointed same. that we won't have it on that day, but look forward to whenever 
they end up doing it. All right, so on Thursday, I got an email from Dear Evan Hansen, and it oh. wasn't on at my Broadway World account. It wasn't at my Broadway Radio account. It was just on my personal email address because mm-hmm. I guess I had purchased tickets to see Dear Evan Hansen with that email address at one point. I did not see this come through as a press release anywhere, so I think that's important to note. But they sent out an email talking about the world that we're living in and and not just saying we will do better and all of the things that we are seeing from different shows and organizations, but instead they're saying, quote, that they're making a commitment not merely to listen, but to act and to act now as a first step on behalf of the three Dear Evan Hansen companies, Broadway, Tour and London. They have donated one hundred thousand dollars to be split to be split equally between two organizations. First, fifty thousand dollars is going to the Broadway Advocacy Coalition, and nice. then the second fifty thousand dollars is going to Color of Change, which is an organization we've talked about that is now doing mm-hmm. a lot of work with Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. But it goes on from there as well. The in this email, the production or the producers behind Drew Evan Hansen said, "Quote." Uh, And our work on examining our own practices has already begun. Like so many companies and organizations, large and small, we are looking inward, assessing the personal policies, uh, the personnel policies and systems of our show at every level, in every department and at every location. Um, And then they go on to talk about, you know, encouraging other people to do the same. Um, And it's interesting, actually, because I think a lot of conversation has happened around Dervin Hansen in terms of race in a a show that is not really about race. Right. Because they they do have some some black characters. They have cast a black man in the lead role, which is until that point had been played by um, a white man. Um, It's it's an interesting thing. I've got tons of issues with Dervin Hansen as a show. Oh, deeply. Yes. Yeah. And, and I didn't always love their use of race in the past, but I think it is a show that has at least shown itself to be open to making some changes. And I'm encouraged by their not only making a statement by putting some money where their mouth is. um, And, and I, I hope that they do make some changes internally and that other shows do the same as well. Oh yeah. They, they have a lot of changes to be made over there as we've talked about both of our disdain for the show as a whole. Has there been a list compiled yet of the shows that have actually put up money to organizations? I know Dear Evan Hansen has, and then we've talked about shows that have closed like Slave Play and what the Constitution means to me. But I, um, I'm trying to think of others. Of. Yeah. There's been a, which I think we've talked about, um, there's a Google Doc that has put together um, a list of all the theater companies, not just in New York, but around the country, that have come out and made proactive statements uh, in sure, support of Black sure. Lives Matter. I have not seen anything. Maybe there's a column on that same spreadsheet that I haven't looked at since, you know, the first few days. Maybe. Um, maybe there's a column for if someone has publicly made a donation of some sort, but that'd be interesting to see. That, yeah, that, because, that I would be really interested in seeing because I think if some earlier or later than others, for the most part, especially theater institutions in New York City have been putting out statements and that's fairly easy to do <laughs> so i would like to see more theater organizations or shows like dear Evan hansen saying we know we've screwed up in the past uh we're releasing this statement unequivocally showing our support of black lives matter and also here is money in unequivocally supporting black lives matter yeah it, i the one thing i hesitate on that is that 
yes, donating money is to organizations is great for these shows and these theater companies. Obviously, right now, some of them might not have a ton of money to donate. But oh, the thing definitely. that I really want yeah, to see, definitely. the thing that I really, really, really want to see is the institutional changes internally at the organizations. That's what's really going to make the most no, difference. So, No doubt whatsoever. Yeah, and, and I that, know you're not saying one right, or the other, but right. I, you know, it's just uh, it, that's what I would most like to see a list about in the future. Oh, certainly. And a lot of that's not going to happen until theater starts opening back up. So that's, that is also, as you and I discussed before the show started, why it's so important to continue these conversations. Absolutely. All right. One more real quick Dear Evan Hansen note. It was reported by Deadline yesterday that Caitlin Deaver is currently in talks to play Zoe Murphy in the upcoming film adaptation. Ironically enough, Caitlin Deaver played uh, the best friend of Beanie Feldstein in the film Booksmart. Beanie Feldstein is, of course, the real life best friend of Ben Platt, who originated the role of Dear Evan Hansen and ah, apparently nice. is expected to reprise his role as the title character in the film, which will be adapted to the screen by Steven Spassky. Now, I I must tell you, uh, Ben Platt is currently 26. So by the time this film probably gets to filming or whatever, he'll be 27, 28, at least a decade older than he should be to play (laughs) the role. And it has nothing to do with his ability to play the part. Um, I just think... I don't know how old Caitlin Deaver is. I did not see... Um, her age mentioned anywhere today, but it might just be time for Ben to hang up the blue shirt and uh, let somebody sure. a little more age appropriate play that whole. I I googled Caitlin while you were talking. She is currently twenty three years old. Okay, so I mean, she'll probably you know, by the time yeah by the time this film comes out, she'll probably be twenty five. By the time they film or whatever, he'll be twenty seven, twenty eight, whatever. So I mean, it's not a huge age difference between them. But it's still twenty eight year olds playing seventeen, eighteen year olds. Yeah, it's like yeah. Uh, the Steve Buscemi, <laughs> Thirty Rock. How, how Hello, you doing, my fellow kids, kids <laughs> yeah. children, youths, whatever he's in. <laughs> but it's um, also, it's also like it's also like any I, I, the shows and films have gotten much better with it in recent years about casting age appropriately, and there's a thousand union reasons behind that. But also, I mean, yeah. look at Greece, for instance. Uh, casting high school uh, adults in high school roles like we can't keep, we can't thing, keep like, doing that when there's so much good talent <laughs> well i don't mind it as much on stage um, no, no 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 yeah because the depth makes it so much harder to kind of recognize on screen which film is such a literal medium exactly uh, to have yeah. someone who is clearly not literally that age or even close Makes it a little bit more problematic. Yes, but. for sure. Anyway, we will deal with that when anything is officially announced. One more real quick thing that I want to mention that has to do with being things being on screen. It was announced on uh, Thursday evening that NBC's musical dramedy, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, has been renewed for a second season. I don't know hey. how I feel about that. <laughs> I was going to say, um, your job lives another day, at least. I don't know that I wanted it to. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> That's a lot of work to do those uh, recap episodes. They were long. Uh, but uh, anyway, so that'll be back at some point in the 2020-2021 season on in on WNBC. <laughs> um, one more real quick uh, bit of news before we get into the recommendations. Um, Signature Theater announced that they would be opening their lobby on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday 
to any protesters who wanted to stop by from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. The theaters will provide bathrooms, Wi-Fi, bottled water, snacks, and hand sanitizers. Does ask that if you're coming in, wear a damn mask. Please, please wear a mask. If you're, if you're, if you're going, if you're going in, if you're not going in, put on a mask. If you leave your house, you leave your house. Leave your house. Wear a mask. Oh, oh. Yeah, there's an article that I'm going to write about from a sports perspective Ooh, this weekend, and that's going to be a thing. But All right, real <laughs> quick, let's get into these recommendations. First up, I had mentioned the fact that Seth Rudetsky had been doing a concert series where he was selling tickets to see cabarets with him and Kelly O'Hara, him and Jeremy Jordan, and him and Jesse Mueller. He's already done the one with Kelly O'Hara. He is going to be doing with the ones with Jeremy Jordan this weekend and then Jesse Mueller the following weekend. He announced uh, earlier this week that the next three people involved will be somewhat familiar names to some. Audra McDonald, Leia Salonga, and Melissa Errico. These are um, basically the same versions of what he does on his tours around the country, his performances around the country. It'll just be, you know, done remotely and, and virtually. Um, so they are $20.00. Uh, if you get the early bird tickets and $25, uh, if you get it later, there's a, um, a live performance and then a replay performance. If you want to watch those, then, um, on, on Thursday, I don't, I'm sure they both tweeted out, but I saw it from Megan Hilty, um, as a part of a graduation celebration for the class of 2020, Megan Hilty and Adina Menzel duetted on the song for good. From Wicked, Megan Hilty continues to be the best at everything, and she needs to be a gigantic star. I don't understand why she's not. Hopefully she will be on Broadway soon again when Broadway is back. And then speaking of that, Ashley, the last thing I wanted to talk about was that New York Times offstage opening night event that they had. It was Mm -hmm. complete with uh, a discussion um, led by Wesley Morris, who's a critic at large for the New York Times, talking with... Um, uh, Kenny Leon, Celia Rose Gooding, Adrian Warren, and Daniel J. Watts um, about the cultural moment that we are currently in and them as being black theater artists, how they are dealing with it. It was very emotional. Um, Adrian Warren broke down in tears at one yeah, point talking Adrian about whether cry. or not performing. Yeah, w- whether or not performing on Broadway is the thing that her you know, is her calling at this point, if there are other things that are more important. And it was really interesting because Kenny Leon came back to her and said, Something to the effect of, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, um, I've been through this. You know, I'm significantly older than you. Uh, I The best thing that we can do as storytellers is to tell our story. He said, you don't have to do it on Broadway if you don't want to. But your gift is to tell stories. And those are the things that that's how people like us can make a difference. It was a really moving 30, 40 minutes to start this off. I know that's not how the gray lady wanted to start this event. But it was a a very powerful way uh, to get into it. But I want to talk about some of the performances real quick. We saw a virtual Zoom version of the opening song of Company. We saw um, some dancing from Moulin Rouge. We saw Elizabeth Stanley singing from Jagged Little Pill. We saw Mayor Winningham singing from uh, Girl from the North Country. Then we saw, this isn't new or original to this, but we saw the big... um, thing from six where a bunch of the queens from around the world and then a bunch of fans sang. Mm-hmm. actually obviously we know you 
we're always going to be partial to company, but yeah. <laughs> what stood out from that in terms of the performances that we saw? We also saw a uh, uh, a performance of The Sound Inside by uh, Mary Louise Parker yeah, as well. Yeah, and that was one of my favorite shows of this past season. And unfortunately, I only got to see it the one time. Uh, going from her talk, I forgot who was interviewing her. I think it was Jesse Green, it was, maybe? It was Jesse Green. Yeah. It was Jesse Green. So yeah. going from them talking to one another and then her just switching over her, to her monologue just it was it there was a brief moment where i felt like i was back in the theater again and it, yeah. it, because of the intensity of her performance so that really stood out to me i really liked elizabeth stanley's rendition of you learn which is different than it is in the show because it's a group number in the show and she did it mm-hmm. solo um and i always just love listening to her sing I, as I told you before the show, and as we've talked about already, uh, the Broadway for Black Lives Matter panel was uh, like 30 minutes before this. There was like a 30 minute gap in between. So it was very difficult. And it's difficult in general to think about theater and what's going to happen with theater. Uh, But it was very difficult for me personally to go from that and then switch my brain to like Moulin Rouge's choreographer talking. (laughs) My brain is just not working like that right now. It's it's such it's such a gap. Yeah. And to go from like Ben Brantley talking about Girl from the North Country and seeing a montage of six, it's my, my brain. We also had, it was, it was the conversation that you already talked about and then, uh, interview with Jeremy O'Harris as well. Mm-hmm. That was with Aisha Harris, right, the editor from the New York Times. Right. That was split up, split up into two parts where she had interviewed him. I think she said Memorial Day weekend and then they ended up getting back together for like a short second part because, uh, other things the world's to blown be, up since then, yeah. yeah other things kind of needed to be talked about so my brain is not functioning in the way where i could uh, as it was two weeks ago that i had the privilege of doing so as a white person where i was over the moon waiting to see anything from company again now it's just i want to continue the work yeah absolutely uh i will say that um one of the things that really stuck out to me out of this was just how intelligent for a 20-year-old Celia Rose oh, Gooding is. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know she, she was comes... so young either. I was oh, just, yeah. I was just, like, gasping when she said her age. And everyone else everyone else was, too, especially Adrian Warren. She was yeah. like, oh, my They're God, They're like, they've all crazy. known her since she was, like, yeah. four years old yeah. or whatever. But um, she's a, incredibly insightful and incredibly intelligent. And obviously, she comes from very good stock. Oh, um, yes. With her, which her mother has always been that way as well. But I will say that the ending of this, and I have come around. I have done a complete one eighty oh on the musical six. Oh, I I was never down on the show in terms of the show itself, but I had a lot of questions about how well it would, you know, land on Broadway because it's you know so short and it's playing everywhere around the country. I was full on like tearing up during that thing. And I've seen really it before. Nice. It was yeah. this, the queens from around the country. I I'm a fan. Like I, I I haven't seen Girl from the North Country on Broadway. I saw it off Broadway, mm-hmm. but I would be hard pressed to vote for anything other than Six as the best musical for the Tonys. Uh, wow. I that show yeah. has brought me a ton of joy since then. 
Um, I've really kind of followed some of the queens on social, the Broadway queens on mm-hmm. social media since then. Different type of Broadway um, queens. Yeah. What's that? It's a different type of Broadway queen. So yeah, I, I just I wanted follow. to make clear that it's not <laughs> the normal Broadway queens yes. that I follow on social media. Uh, <laughs> Generally, they have podcasts talking about Broadway Queen things, but uh, the actual Queens from Six. Um, I love that show. Like, and I'm, I'm. It brought it's me a so ton of joy fun. to see that. And yeah, I, that that was certainly the best way to end everything there because it was just to see this whole montage of fans just really having fun. And they even talked about. I mean, it was the show that was supposed to open the day everything shut down, as we've talked about many, many times, oh. and that they were ninety minutes away from opening. Yeah. So and they had the creators Toby and Lucy, yes, yes. Um, Toby Marlowe and Lucy Moss. Uh, on there as well. And I think the thing that it was that I love so much about it is, yes, they had cast members from the the six, literally six different productions around mm-hmm. the, around the world, but it was, it was the fans getting in on it and how much exactly. it meant to them and yes. how much they love it. And then they knew they were like doing the choreography and everything. Yeah. And they knew the <laughs> harmonies for whatever queen they were singing. Uh, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm literally tears are coming to my eyes as I'm talking about it. It's just, it shows how special theater can be. And especially during these times when, everything else sucks and even right now theater sucks yeah not only because it's it's down but now we're also confronting a lot of the racism in the community but it's something like that that reminded me about why it's worth fighting for fighting for in terms of coming back and then fighting for and getting it right and making sure that it's accessible to everybody um and so that was just a really moving thing in a way that i did not anticipate being moved yeah uh, when i sat down to watch this thing tonight. likewise yes all right we went on way longer than we thought for a show where we didn't really have a lot to talk (laughs) about but get over it it's free um anyway that is all that we have (laughs) have a wonderful weekend we might be popping up again with a tell me more in your feed if not we will of course be back here on sunday with this week on broadway but that is all that we have for today thank you for listening to today on broadway follow us on facebook and twitter at broadway radio you can find me on twitter and instagram at bww matt ashley what about you you can find me on twitter and instagram at no this is ashley all right everybody take care of yourselves take care of each other uh, wear your masks I, we're gonna have to keep talking about that because apparently no one's doing it and it's not getting any better uh but have a wonderful air quotes weekend and we'll be back to talk to you on monday mm-hmm.